The message you're about to hear has been made possible by the continued financial support of the friends and partners of Faith Hill. To find out more about how to become a partner, be sure to visit faithhill.tv. My, my message is entitled, Flatten the Fear. You know, the, the pandemic that we find ourselves in um, is no longer really a pandemic of sickness. It's actually morphed into something that's actually quite a little bit more serious. It's a pandemic of fear. And, and truly, church, if we don't flatten the fear, you know, if we don't overcome the spirit of fear that is operating unchecked, you know, and, 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 just, and just wildly um, in, in this season... I believe that, you know, it will have more long-lasting domino effects on people, not only in this generation, but also in generations to come. And so this morning, you know, we're going to be exposing fear for, for truly what it is. But most importantly, and I think the most exciting bit is, is I'm going to be sharing with you some keys that I've implemented in my life to overcome this overcome fear. And, and really my prayer for all of you in this room and all of you watching online is that, you know, as I share these keys, as I say some of these principles, you know, you will take these keys and, and really you'll begin to apply them in your life and, and truly begin to overcome fear each and every single time it comes knocking on the door of your heart so that you can confidently and fiercely walk in every single thing that God has called you to do. Amen. Amen. Well, Psalm 78, verse 41, that's, I think, where we'll start. We're going to have a little bit of a Bible study this morning, actually. It's going to be fun. Amen. Psalm 78, verse 41, this is a psalm that's really just talking about the children of Israel and how, um, you know, they wandered around aimlessly uh, in the wilderness. It says, yea, they turned back and tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. You see, church, as big as God is, you know, as truly great and powerful as God is, we can limit him and everything that he wants to accomplish in and through our lives. And the number one way, I believe, in which we truly limit God is when we walk in fear. You see, church, fear is a strategy of the enemy, and it's, and it's a strategy actually that's against us. Um, that seeks to rob us of manifesting the promises of God in our lives. You see, Satan, he works through fear, just like God works through faith. So, I mean, other people say fear and faith are, fear and faith are opposites. You know, to an extent, it's, it's true. We know that faith is really that vehicle that brings the promises to God in our lives. Fear, on the other hand, is that vehicle that actually opens up the door of Satan to achieve his evil agenda. And what is his evil agenda? His evil agenda is to what? It's to steal. It's to, it's to kill us. And it's to destroy us. And that's, and that's John 10.10. 10. Similarly, you know, we learned last week from Romans 10 verse 17. It says faith comes by hearing. And it says hearing comes how? By the word of God. Well, church, fear. Fear comes also by hearing. But it comes by hearing and listening to the lies of the enemy. 
And so if we're finding ourselves constantly in fear, if we're finding ourselves constantly walking in fear, all it's really, really, all it's really revealing is whose voice is loudest in us, whose voice is loudest to us. And, and really, I mean, I'm not, you know, I'm, not, I'm not saying this to discourage you because there's truly good news because, you know, we can fix this, you know. We can, we can fix this. If you're constantly walking in fear, you know, if you're fearful, you can fix this. And you fix this, and maybe this is one of the first key, is you can fix this by making sure that you're hearing the word of God, by making sure that you're valuing, you're esteeming the word of God above the lies of the enemy. Amen. So let's see how fear works against faith. And we're going to go to Matthew 14, and we're going to read verses 20, 22 to 20, maybe to 30. Okay, this is quite a classic example. I'm sure you've all heard it, but it really demonstrates so, I think, um, wonderfully how fear works against faith and really gives us some principles on what we can do to actually really begin to overcome fear. And so the scripture says, and straight away, Jesus constrained his disciples to get into the boat, into a ship. I actually like the original King James Version because it actually says ship. Because I always used to wonder, boat? I mean, what on earth are 12 people doing in a boat? I mean, that's kind of silly, right? You're going to drown. But the King, original King James says, ship. You know, so it was actually, you know, a big boat. <laughs> so the disciples, he constrained his disciples to go into a ship and to go before him onto the other side while he sent the multitude away. And when he had sent the multitudes away, so when Jesus had sent the multitudes away, he went up into the mountain apart to pray. <clears throat> and when evening was come, he was there alone. And verse 24 says, so remember the, the 12 disciples had been sent off in the ship. <laughs> um, and then it says, but the ship was now in the midst of the sea, tossed with waves, for the wind was contrary. Now that word contrary just means the winds was blowing against them, right? So... You know, if you guys have been in a plane or, or really in a car or in a, in a ship, <laughs> what was happening is they had like serious headwinds against them. And I mean, there was like violent storm and, and these were truly turbulent waters that we see in, 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 in this verse. Verse 25 and says, and in the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went unto them walking on the sea. Verse 26, and when the disciples saw him walking on the sea, it says they were troubled, saying, it is a spirit. <laughs> it's a ghost, you know. We're already so petrified. I mean, this is such a storm here, and now we're seeing a ghost, you know. And they cried out for fear. I mean, this, this I'm going to stop here a little bit. But, I mean, do you see this? This, this, this pattern of Scripture is actually quite, quite interesting. The Scripture says Jesus came towards them walking on water. Jesus came walking on the very thing that they were afraid of. Do you see that? Jesus came walking on the very thing, the very same thing that was tormenting them. And I mean, I don't know about you, but this scripture really encourages me because even in the midst of your fears, even in the midst of your problems, even in the midst of you feeling so terrified, know this one thing that God is on top of it. Jesus is already on top of this. And he's got this. Amen. So verse 27. But straight away Jesus spoke unto them, saying, be of good cheer. So Jesus says, rejoice. Amen. He says, be of good cheer. It is I. I mean, this is such good news. 
you know, we can rejoice even in the midst of a storm. Because we know that not only is Jesus on top of it, but in the book of John, it says, be of good cheer because Jesus has already overcome the world. Other translation says, Jesus has already deprived the world. He's already deprived the world of any fears. Okay, amen. And so he says, be not I. He says, be, sorry, he says, be of good cheer. It is I. Be not afraid. And in verse 28, it says, And Peter answered him and said, Lord, you know, if it be thou, bid me come into the water. Verse 27, And Jesus said, Come. You know, when Jesus said, Come, that one word alone, that one word, Come, had enough ability for Peter to be able to do it. It, it truly did. Amen. And all Peter really needed to do was believe it and step out in faith. And thank God Peter did believe it. We see that in Scripture it says, and when Peter was come down out of the ship, he walked on water to go to Jesus. You see, church, as Peter focused on the word of Jesus, he did exactly what Jesus commanded, and he began to walk on the water. I mean, that's pretty cool. You know, what I always find so interesting, especially about this passage of Scripture, is there were, there were 12 people on that boat, on that ship. There were 12 other people on that ship, right? And... And only one chose to get out. You know, remember what I just said, um, you know, as I began this, um, this message, I said, you know, when we find ourselves constantly walking in fear, it really reveals whose voice is loudest to us. Well, what was happening here was the fear, which was caused by the boisterous winds, which was caused by, you know, really the turbulent um, seas, had really drowned out the voice of Jesus in the 12, in the 11 other disciples, um, really, their ears. And unfortunately, they chose fear over faith. And this, this resulted them in them missing out on participating in this, in this miraculous event. They chose to stay in the boat while Peter walked on water. Amen. So it says, Peter walked on water. And verse 30, it says, but when he, in other words, when Peter saw the wind boisterous, uh-oh, Bad move. It says, he was afraid. And beginning to sink, he cried saying, Lord, save me. I mean, this is, this is something else, eh? Suddenly, Peter, who had just been walking on water, because truly he was walking on the word of God, which had said, come. And truly he was exalting the word of God over the lies and the voices of the enemy of the fear. But when suddenly he began to take his focus off the word, and when he began to look around him at the boisterous water, it says fear entered into his heart and he began to sink. I mean, this is just something else, eh? Because this illustrates one of the principles around fear. I mean, fear is just irrational. Fear is completely irrational because let's, you know, what does strong wind have to do with a human being walking on water? Come on, nothing, right? And I think if Peter had actually really uh, thought about this, he would have realized that he, he could never have walked on water, even if they had the sunniest blue skies and there was not a single drop of wind in the air. He could never have walked on water. So fear is irrational. And, and when, when Peter started listening to the lies of the enemy, um, when Peter started observing the situation and the circumstances around him, he really was tricked by the enemy. 
He was tricked by the enemy, and he let fear enter his heart. And the story says that he began to sink. You know, Peter, Peter allowed fear to rob him of continuing to walk in this, in this miracle. Amen. And then to cut a long story short, Peter began to sink, cries out to Jesus, and, and Jesus saves him, and they get back in the ship. Amen. You know, fear is... Um, Fear, fear has such torment, and it, and it truly presents itself in so many ways. I mean, there's the fear of failing. There's the fear of, of leading, you know. Some people are, are fearful of leading in ministry. Some people are fearful of even leading in their homes. I mean, you see husbands who just won't tell their wives, who won't lead their homes. You know, fear is so prevalent. People are fear, fear, afraid of flying. I, I was once upon a time afraid of flying but I'm not afraid of flying anymore. But people are afraid of flying. People are afraid of, people are afraid of so many things. But, but the Bible is very clear about, about where God stands with fear. And, and, and we see it in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. We're going to read in the original King James Version. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7. It says, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. So we see two things in the scripture. Number one, fear is a spirit, and it's not from God. God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, church. He's given us a spirit of power, and that word power is the word dunamis. It means divine ability. God has given us divine ability to overcome fear every time it comes knocking on our door. He's not only given us a spirit of power, but he's also given us a spirit of love. And a spirit of a sound mind. And I know um, Pastor T always teaches about this, but it's a, a sound mind is just a mind that's void of speculative imagination. You know, because sometimes it's really the speculative imaginations that actually move us into a position of fear. But God has not given us a spirit of fear. He's not given us a spirit of a speculative imagination, but he's given us a spirit of a sound mind. I love what it says in, the second, um, in 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the Passion Translation. And we're just going to read that first part. It says, for God, God will never give you the spirit of fear. You see, the spirit of fear or a spirit of fear is never from God. Some people say a little fear is good for you. I mean, I think they even write songs about a little fear is good for you. <laughs> but if it's never from God, it can never be good. And we must not accept it in our lives. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7 in the Amplified Translation. I told you this was the Bible study. So get ready. If you bought your Bibles, this is good. Underline. Exclamation marks. 2 Timothy 1 verse 7, Amplified Classic. It says, for God did not give us a spirit of timidity. And I like the Amplified Translation because it begins to define what timidity is. It opens up the brackets and it says, um, of cowardice, of craven and cringing and fawning fear. I mean, these are, these are words, okay, let's be honest. We don't use much in our, in, our, in, our, in our vocabulary these days, okay? So even I had to go and look them up. And when I looked them up, what I found is that they actually are all synonyms of one another. In other words, they're, they're very similar in what they mean. And um, there are really a few words that sum up what it means to be a cowardice and have craven and cringing and fawning fear. And those words that sum these words up is servile is subservient, is beggarly, is obedient. 
You see, the spirit of fear, it wants to make you subservient to it and obedient to its suggestions. Fear wants to control you. Fear wants to be your boss. You know, my kids always play this game, doctor, doctor, mommy, mommy. And they're always fighting because they always want to be the boss. And usually the younger one wins. But fear, fear wants to be your boss. Fear wants to define the boundaries of your life. Fear wants to tell you what you can do. It wants to tell you what you can't do. It wants to tell you where you can go. It wants to tell you where you cannot go. Church, fear is just not okay. And when we tolerate fear, we're really contaminating our faith. Other scriptures that bear witness to the truth about fear and what comes with it. Romans 8 verse 15. I can read this in the King James Version. It says, for you have not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba, Father. You see, church, when you made Jesus your Lord and your Savior, when you became what we call born again, what the scripture tells us is we did not receive the spirit of bondage again to fear. And so as a child of God, the spirit of bondage, which really is the spirit of fear, is not a characteristic of our born-again spirits. So what does it mean to be in bondage? I looked it up in the Webster Dictionary. It says to be in bondage is the condition of being involuntarily subject to a power, to a force, or to an influence. So fear produces bondage, where we are involuntarily Subject to a power, to a force, or to an influence. Now, one of the things I'm learning um, in my career, as we really help our clients, our corporate clients, to just really navigate their way through this season, is I'm learning actually about the principles of business rescue and liquidation. You know, it's, it's not nice. But two principles I've learned about liquidation in particular is that liquidation can be, can be voluntary, or it can be involuntary. Now, voluntary liquidation um, arises when a company willingly puts itself into liquidation. Involuntary liquidation, on the other hand, happens when a company, let's get this, against its will, is put into liquidation by a creditor. And, 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 and it's really awful because any creditor can put, can put the company into, into in liquidation against its will. But, but, but my point is, when we yield to the spirit of fear, what we're doing is, against our will, we are subjecting ourselves to the enemy's evil and wicked agenda. And here we, you know, it's, it's sad to say, but we really have to qualify this because sometimes people take what I'm saying out of context. What, I, what I'm saying, church, and hear me, I'm not saying you shouldn't be washing your hands, okay? Because anyway, in any season, washing your hands is good. What I am saying is you should not wash your hands in fear. I'm not saying don't wear your masks. Wear your masks, but you can wear your masks without fear. I'm not saying don't send your kids to school. Go send them to school. Go to work. Go to work and be a productive um, person in this economy. But you can go to work without fear. 
Fear produces bondage. Do not yield to it. Refuse it in your life. Hebrews 2, 14 to 15. It says, For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself likewise took part of the same. So, so let me just explain this, because sometimes the King James is, I don't know what type of English it is. But what, what the scripture is really saying is, you know, in the same way that we are flesh and blood, Jesus came down and he also took on our form. In other words, Jesus also became flesh and blood. Now, what the scripture then goes on to explain to us is what this achieved. It says that through death, in other words, when Jesus came down as flesh and blood, he died. He died for us. And through that death, he might destroy him that had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver them who through fear of death were all their time, all their lifetime subject to bondage. So again, we see that bondage originates, or at least bondage originates from fear. And any kind of, any kind of fear, regardless of how insignificant it may be, will put you into bondage. But I, you know why I ended off my little Bible study with this scripture is, is because there's some truly powerful and amazing news in this scripture. It says, Jesus became a man and he died. And he did this so that by going through death, he could destroy the devil. The devil has been destroyed. I mean, that's good news right there. I'm going to shout hallelujah. The devil has been destroyed. That, that word destroyed is the Greek word katagis. I don't know if I'm pronouncing it right, but katagis, it means to paralyze. It means to deactivate. And I shared with the, with, the, with the service this morning, you know, deactivate. You know, when we watch those movies where the evil bad dude is about to blow up the world and some wonder woman <laughs> comes and she deactivates the bomb, the bomb. And she stops it from blowing up the world and, and she saves the world. Come on, you wonder woman, you know this. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> well, this is what Jesus came to do. Jesus came to completely paralyze and he came to deactivate Satan who had the power of death. And because the devil has been completely paralyzed, he's been completely deactivated, we are delivered. We are delivered from fear. So church, fear has no power over us. If there's one thing you need to leave knowing here this morning, fear has no more power to hold you in bondage. Come on, fear has no power to define the boundaries of our lives. And so we need to flatten the fear if we're going to live a life of abundance. We need to flatten the fear if we're going to live our lives to the fullest. And so how do we overcome fear? How do we flatten fear? I'm going to share with you. I actually have 10 keys, but I see I have six minutes. <laughs> so I'm going to share a few <laughs> that I've applied in my life. The first one is know that God is with you. Isaiah 41 verse 10 in the Amplified Translation. I, I, you know, this scripture is so dear to my heart. And I want to share it with, to you, with you. In the Amplified Translation, it says, fear not. There is nothing to fear. There's nothing to fear. And, you know, when I read this, I asked myself, well, why should we fear not? Like, Lord, why? 
and, and the scripture actually explains itself. It says, there's nothing to fear, for I am with you. It says, do not look around you in terror and be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen and harden you to difficulties. Yes, I will help you. God will help you. It says, yes, I will hold you up and retain you with my victorious right hand of righteousness and justice. You know, why the scripture is so profoundly dear to my heart is because it really changed my life. When I realized that I don't have to be afraid because God is not only with me, but God is for me. And, you know, as God really started promoting um, Pastor Tafara and I with, 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 with much greater responsibilities, because, I mean, how many of you know that, you know, overseeing a church of, of, of 20, 20 people is a little, little bit easier <laughs> than overseeing a church with, like, over, what, 500 people now we've got in three different locations with an online, with an online campus? I mean, I mean, the only way that, that we've walked confidently in what God has, has, has called us to do is by standing on the scripture, knowing that we are not alone, knowing that as we make decisions, knowing that as we step out and lead and do those things that God has called us to do, that God is right there with us. He's right there with us to help us. He's right there with us to strengthen us. And he's right there to give us the wisdom that we need. Deuteronomy 31 verse 6, also in the Amplified Translation, says, Be strong, courageous, and firm. It says, Fear not, nor be in terror before them. For it is the Lord your God who goes with you. God goes with you. He will never fail you, and he'll never forsake you. So key number one to overcoming the spirit of fear is knowing that God is with you. God will never ever, ever fail you. And he'll never, ever, ever forsake you. Amen. The second key is know and believe that you are loved. Know and believe that you are loved. First John 4, 16 to 18 says, and we have known and we have believed the love that God has to us. It says God is love and he that dwells in love dwells in God and God in him. Verse 17, herein is our love made perfect, that we may have boldness, that we may have boldness in the day of judgment, because as he is, so are we in this world. Amen. And then, it, and, you know, the climax of this, these passages of Scripture says, there is no fear in love, but perfect love casts out fear, because fear had torment. Here that feareth is not made perfect in love. So here... This passage of Scripture is not talking about when our love is made perfect. It, it's really talking about when we come to know, when we come to be intimately acquainted with how much God loves us, and not only when we come to know how much we lo God loves us, but when we come to actually believe that God loves us, then fear, fear is cast out. Fear is kicked out. Another translation says, fear is turned out of the doors. Fear is gone. And, and, and this really takes a revelation of the Holy Spirit. But when we really get the revelation that God loves you, and, and, and really a revelation of how much God loves you, how much God wants to provide for you, how much God's love for you is not based on what you've done, what you haven't done, 
But he loves you not because you're good, but because he is good. You know, you won't fear. Fear will literally be turned out the doors. Fear will literally be turned away from the door of your heart. Amen. Plan three, key three. We're getting a little bit aggressive here because we're about to run out of time. But key three is use your authority to take a stand and actively resist fear. James 4 verse 7, King James, it says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. It says, Resist the devil and he will flee from you. You see, when it comes to fear, church, there are two things we need to do. The first one is we need to submit to God's word. Okay? We really need to amplify God's word and, and really what he has to say about fear. And we all now know what God has to say about fear. He has not given us the spirit of fear. So when fear comes knocking on your door, we need to tell it to step. <laughs> we need to tell it to go. <clears throat> the second thing from the scripture is it says resist the devil. Now that word resist is actually a military term. And it means to actively fight. It means to hold your ground and stand firm. And when you do, the scripture says the devil and his evil, they'll flee from you. You know, I'm reminded of a story about my two daughters, actually, you know. So we've got two little girls. One of them loves dogs. One of them probably a little bit indifferent. But anyway, there's, a, there's one dog, in our, and specifically in our complex. It's a little, little chihuahua. But, it, well, I don't know, a little, like, tiny little poodle. You, it's kind of like your dog, uh, Cliff and Chido. Um, it's, you know, really little, you know. But it thinks... It's a bulldog. I mean, I think it's, it actually probably thinks it was born a bulldog. But anyway, nonetheless, whenever Munesu walks past that gate, or whenever she used to walk past the gate, this dog would literally sense the fear. And it would growl at her. It would bark at her. I mean, it was really nasty. And, and truly did actually sound like a bulldog then. But anyway, we're taking a walk um, with my two girls. And, um, you know, we're, we're, we're riding past, you know, the, sort of the gate or that house. And little Tinaya on her scooter, she whizzes past the gate, and she's like all merry and all happy, right? And so Manessa kind of looks at this, and she thinks, oh, okay, that's cool. Yeah, maybe that dog is gone. <laughs> what Tinaya neglects to tell us is that the gate was open. And so here is Munesu walking confidently now past the gate. And this dog makes a beeline for her. I mean, it starts barking at her. It starts growling. I mean, it's really like foaming at the mouth. It's really, it, even for me, I was also a little bit, you know, a little bit, a little bit terrified. But I watched my little girl. She watched Tinaye having the time of her life with her little friends. It's kind of like us, right? We're being held back by fear. And we're watching our friends live the abundant life. She watched Tinaya and she said, enough is enough. She looks at that dog and she says, quiet. And this little dog looked at her a little bit confused. Because it's saying, but wait a minute. This is not meant to play out this way. You are meant to be terrified of me. I'm not meant to be terrified at you. And it actually continued to run towards her. I mean, that's what fear is going to do, right? It's going to lie to you. It's going to lie and deceive you and tell you you don't have authority. It's going to lie. It's going to deceive you and say, you have no power against me. Little Manesu. Hey, she was prepared for that dog. She looks at it and she says, go away. And that dog looked at her and and it's carried away. <laughs> I mean, the story is a bit funny, but the point is this. The devil is a defeated foe, and he knows it. Scripture says he goes about like a roaring lion. He isn't even a roar. He isn't even a lion. 
He's a little dog with no teeth, dressed up like a lion. He has absolutely no power over you. And when he comes with his tactics of fear, you need to take your authority and you need to tell him to go. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Key number four, act against your fear. Do it anyhow, no matter how you feel. You know what? Sometimes, and, and, and I say this to myself because this happens to me every single day. Sometimes you're going to have to step out and do what God has called you to do, even when you're afraid. You're going to have to just do it afraid and trust that God is right there holding your hand. Amen. Judges 6, and we're going to end with this scripture. Judges 6, and this is a story about Gideon. We're going to start at verse 25 to 27. We can do it in the King James. I read in the message this um, morning, but it's, it's fine. We can do it in the King James too. Judges 6, verses 25 to 27. Now, this is a story about Gideon. And it says, and it came to pass the same night that the Lord said to him, in other words, the Lord said to Gideon, he said, take thy father's bullock, even the second bullock of seven years old, and throw down the altar of Baal that thy father hath, and cut down the grove that is by it, and build an altar unto the Lord thy God upon the top of this rock in the ordered place, and take the second bullock, and offer a burnt sacrifice with the wood of the grove which thou shalt cut down. So what was happening here was God had actually, God had told and instructed Gideon to go to his father's place and tear down um, this image of, a, of, of, a, of an idol that was in his father's household. Amen. And so the scripture says, then Gideon took 10 men of servants and did as the Lord said unto him. And so it was because he feared his father's household and the men of the city that he could not do it by day, that he did it by night. This is, this is really powerful. Because God, you know, Gideon was so afraid of his father. He was so afraid of his father's household and the men in the city. He couldn't even go and tear down that idol during the day. But he was so determined to do exactly what God had told him to do, that even despite his fear, he still went ahead and did it anyway. In the middle of fear, Gideon obeyed and acted against his fear. Because sometimes you're going to have to deal with fear while you're afraid. You know, it reminds me of the first time that I ever had to minister to our church family. <laughs> it's a little bit pitiful. But anyway, you know, Pastor Tafari had been trying to encourage me to like step up and step out a little bit more and, and teach a little bit more. And, 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 and really, um, you know, the enemy was bombarding me with lies saying that, you know, like, I'm, I'm not qualified. You know, I, I seriously, uh, you know, at a heart level, I just felt completely incompetent and incapable. And as I really began to renew my mind to the Word of God around, you know, what He'd called me to do and, and that He'd called me to, to teach and to lead, you know, I decided enough was enough with fear. And I did, decided to actually act even, even in the presence of fear. And so one day, I remember it was Sunday, you know, we got up, and it was even an offering message. So it wasn't even a lengthy message. I mean, I got up, and, and I decided that day I was going to do it afraid. Boy, my knees were shaking. 
This microphone here <laughs> was shaking. My heart was beating so fast, I honestly thought people could hear it through the microphone. <laughs> Thank God those days we didn't do live broadcasts. It was, it was quite sad. But, but my point is, I was determined to act in fear, in faith, even even in the presence of my fear. So church, sometimes you're really, you're just going to have to do it of faith. You know, if you feel God has put something in your heart, just do it. You know, do it afraid, even if you have to, but just do it. Amen. Why don't we get up on our feet? Amen. Thank you, Jesus. Someone say after me, God has not given me the spirit of fear, but of power and love and of a sound mind. Spirit of fear, I rebuke you. Come on, let's get more aggressive about this. Spirit of fear, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, I cast you out of my mind. I cast you out of my body. I have no more fear. God loves me and his perfected love for me. Cast out all fear. Fear and every bondage, you get out. Leave me now in the name of Jesus. I have not received a spirit of slavery to fear, but I have received the spirit of adoption, whereby I cry, Abba, Father, I belong to God. And I am no longer a slave to dread, to fear, to stress, to anxiety, to depression and oppression. I am set free from him who had the power of death by the precious blood of the Lamb. Hallelujah, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, that this is a no-fear zone. Amen. Well, Father, we just want to thank you for your word. Father, we want to thank you that you sent your only begotten son, Jesus, to die for us and to deliver us from the trenches, from the hold of bondage that comes from fear. Father, we thank you that even right now we are, we, are, we are redeemed from fear. Father, we thank you that even as we, as we go about our businesses this week, we thank you that you have already gone before us and you have already made every crooked path straight so there is nothing to fear. Father, we thank you that you are always with us. And if you are for us, who can be successful against us. And so, Father, this morning, we just want to thank you. We just want to thank you for a greater boldness that is rising up in the hearts and in the minds of those under the sound of my voice. Father, we thank you for boldness. We thank you for confidence. We thank you for, for just rising up a generation that will walk fearlessly and confidently in all of your promises. In the mighty name of Jesus, we've prayed. 
Amen and amen and amen. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Well, remember these words from 2 Corinthians 5 verse 7. We walk by faith and not by sight. We hope this message has been a blessing to you. Thank you for listening. To find out more about how you can become a partner, visit faithhill.tv today. That's who